would tell us that belief in God is something that has evolved. They would tell us that after something came out of nothing, and after life kind of sprang out of non-life in some primordial pool of slime and soup, uh, and after life kept becoming more and more complex, that at some point when our ancestors, by the way, once again, this is what the evolutionists say. I'm not telling you this myself. This is what the evolutionists would say. After our ancestors climbed down out of the tree and lost their tail, that uh, one of them took a piece of wood and, and kind of whittled on it, and then he started to bow down to it and, and worship. And then they, they got more complex in, in the sticks of wood, and they would carve them, make them more elaborate. They would make some of them, chisel them out of stone. They would, would bring precious metals like silver and gold into play and, and these, these idols, and they would bow down and, and worship them. And then man came to the point where he, he saw that there, there must be some, some gods behind the th- forces of nature like the sun and, and wind and fire and things like that. And so they attributed deity to some of these forces that, that would stand behind the forces of nature. And, and then they began to, to see gods in the form of, of men. And they were like themselves. In fact, these gods they came up with were, had some of the same faults and difficulties and desires and drives that, that these men did. And so they, they came up with this whole pantheon of gods and they, they worshiped them. And then they got to the point where they, they realized, well, we should just have one God. And so they began to worship one God. And uh, that showed up in Judaism and Christianity and later on in, in Islam. And that's how they say we got to the point where we are today where you and I sit here and we worship one God. Do you buy that? I don't either. I don't either. And God doesn't buy it either. In fact, in reality, in the beginning, God created everything. In the beginning, God created man. Male and female, he created man. And we find that man knew God from the beginning. It wasn't a matter of man inventing God and it evolving through some sort of a process. But in reality... God is the creator, creating man in his own image, in his own likeness. And man knew God from the beginning. And man chose to reject God. And we read the record of that, really, in Romans chapter 1, where we see that man is without excuse uh, for the judgment, for, to, by, to receive the judgment of God. And man is given over to the judgment of God. God's wrath, we read in this passage of Scripture, is, is earned. It says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God was known by man in the beginning. Uh, God has still revealed himself. God's wrath is earned. God's wrath is executed. God's wrath is earned because of the revelation of God that's available to all men. It's available within man himself. We know that there's a God. We're created in God's image and likeness. 
We also see God's fingerprints all over creation. To, to believe that, that something came into existence out of nothing is absolutely foolish. For you to believe that this building just popped up here with nobody designing it, nobody building it, is absolutely ludicrous. How much more complex than this building is the universe? How much more complex than this building is human life with, uh, with DNA and, and all that's involved in that? God has revealed himself. God can be seen. Man was, is without excuse for rejecting God, turning away from him because of God's revelation of himself. Sinful man has rejected God, and man has been in a spiral, a downward spiral. We see it described here in uh, this passage of Scripture, starting in verse 21. Man knows some truth about God. We find that uh, man doesn't glorify God. He knows God, but he, he doesn't glorify God. He's not thankful to God. He comes up with some other type of an explanation, turning away from God. Man becomes futile in his thinking. Uh, man's heart becomes darkened as well, and people treat each other in terrible fashion. Man professes to be wise, but man becomes fool, and man changes the glory of the incorruptible God into an image. Images like creepy things and crawling things and birds and fish and all sorts of things like that. And man even creates God in his own image and his own likeness. And then, and then worship these false gods. How utterly foolish such a thing is. We see this downward spiral takes place in creation as a whole, and the earth as a whole. It takes place sometimes in individual lives. How sad it is when somebody knows truth about God, and they turn from that truth, and they enter into a downward spiral in their own life, and they end up worshiping themselves and serving themselves instead of the true and the living God. And we find that because of man's rejection of God, when truth about God is, is evident all over the place, God actually has begun executing his wrath already. It, it's not just something future. We already see evidence of it in our world today. It says in verse 24, because of what man's done in changing the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, says, therefore, verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. God gives men over. means to turn them over to custody or control of someone or something else. We find the terms used when Judas delivered Jesus over to the custody of the, the, uh, the high priest and, and the other priest there in Jerusalem. Uh, it, it's the idea of God was removing his restraining hand and, and kind of letting sin take its course in, in the lives of, of people who would turn away from him. We find that uh, God gives men over, first of all, to what they want. What's man want? Well, man doesn't want God in his life. Man doesn't want to think about God. We read it right here. We find they, they didn't want God in their life. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, in verse 24, dishonor themselves, who exchanged the, the truth of God for a lie, worship the, cre the creature rather than the creator. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 
Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even in this they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. But God gave them over to a debased mind. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge, so God gives them over to what, what they want, to their own uh, their own desires, and they end up being given over also to, to these sinful desires. When God's not in control of our desires, desires take control of our, our bodies. Man can't control his desires without God's assistance, without God's help, without leaning upon the Lord. And the natural state of man without Jesus Christ in your life is to be in bondage to sin. Look all around our world today, and that's exactly what we see, people in bondage to sin. The Bible describes it as being dead in trespasses and sin. God gives men over to be controlled by their sinful desires. They, they're so controlled by desires and drives that they seek to gratify them in, in wrong, unclean ways. Man's main interest is in gratifying his own selfish desires, his own lust, without regard for what is right, or wrong, or without regard for the will of God. A man wants to satisfy his sexual desires, so he rapes a woman. Doesn't care about the will of God, doesn't care about her, he just cares about himself. Man wants something for himself, so he steals it from somebody else. Uh, a man gets angry with somebody else, they've infringed upon their life, and so they, they kill the other person. Uh, that, that's the picture we see when we look all around. Uh, all kinds of desires of that. And we find the result of all this, these unrestrained desires, is first of all a life of sin that is hard on the body. The body's dishonored, as it says right here. Examples of this, sexually transmitted diseases, cirrhosis of the liver, premature aging, premature death, all those things because of people living a life basically of unrestrained sin, doing whatever they want to do. Such bondage should cause men to repent of their pride and cry out to God for forgiveness and help. When you find yourself at a point in your life where you can't control what's going on in your life, you can't have victory over sin in your life, you should cry out to God for his help. Many people don't do that. The help we need comes from without. Our, without. The help that we need comes from God. The help that we need comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sad that men do not do that and we find that the reason for judgment is repeated here once again men didn't want to retain God in their knowledge so God gave them over to a debased mind given over to vile passions here first of all it talks about in verses 26 and 27 the word vile means shameful uh, disgraceful uh, a, a situation where God given desires become distorted when they're not God-controlled. And the example that he zeroed, Paul zeroes in here on this passage is that of homosexuality. Women involving themselves, females acting unnaturally sexually, involving themselves with other females. Males involving themselves with other males sexually as well. Men acting shamefully. It's called here unnatural. People using the natural use. We'll talk tonight about what God's natural plan is. We have to look back to Genesis and Genesis chapter 1 to see what the, the natural plan of things is. Men violate that. 
and, and we find that homosexuality becomes rampant. We'll be talking about this a little bit more this evening. I encourage you to come back and hear what the Bible teaches. Men acting shamefully, we're told here, and men suffering the consequences of their perversion. You know, the fact of the matter is the gay life is not gay at all. The folks that are caught up in, in homosexuality and homosexual practices have a miserable life. Uh, we find that the, the judgment that comes upon there that, that, that shows up. God gives men over to vile, perverted passions, and uh, men are controlled by their own desires, and they often, often fulfill them in wrong ways, but then even the desires themselves become perverted. We find that uh, the extent of perversion is proportionate usually to how fully God is rejected. When there is, is some respect for God's principles, there's not as much homosexuality. When th what there is, is generally kept in secret. However, you get to a place in a society sometimes where, where God is scoffed at. God's word is scoffed at. People turn away from God. They, they push God out of the picture. And what do you have? The end result of that turns out to be more, more homosexuality, but not just more homosexuality. Open declaration, public declarations of it. People who at one point would have kept it quiet now proclaim it outwardly. You find official recognition and acceptance by the institutions of society itself. Does this sound familiar? It's exactly what's going on in our country today. And there's a reason for that. And it, first of all, it's connected with the rejection of God. It all begins with the rejection of God. And then people go to unnatural extremes, unnatural extents that, that take place. And uh, we find that uh, we've gotten to the place today in our country where it's not a question of morality that's involved. But we find it's becoming an issue of civil rights. And folks, that does not bode well for the church in the days to come. If we continue to preach what the Bible teaches on this subject, there will be, we'll, we will be in violation of people's civil rights according to what the institutions of our government would have to say. Uh, we find that the, this, this was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah when God rained fire and brimstone down upon it. This was a great sin in the last days of Greece and Rome when both of those societies fell, we find that there is usually some homosexuality in any nation. Now, that's not unusual. But when it is officially sanctioned by a nation, that nation is ripe for judgment. That's where we're at, folks. Our country is ripe for judgment. Homosexual behavior itself works on the conscience of the offender, as part of the consequences, of the, there's guilt, and there's also destruction to the body, sexually transmitted diseases, AIDS, such things as that, that come into the picture. We find also the passage goes on. It doesn't stop here. We find because men reject God, turn away from God, want to worship the creature rather than the creator, worship himself sometimes, worship idols sometimes instead of God, God also gives them over to what's called, in verse 28, a debased or a reprobate mind, depending on the version that you have. Verse 28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, don't stop, don't, don't miss that point. This is the reason 
why God turns them over to the debased mind. You don't want God in your mind. You don't want God in your knowledge. You don't want to think about God. You want to eliminate God from your life. You want to eliminate God from your thinking. Here's the results of it. We find that it says, because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful. There's a whole list there things that are connected with the idea of having a a debased or a reprobate mind. That word uh, debased, the the Greek term that it comes from, is a word that speaks about failing a test. And it is a a word that is used of metals that were rejected by refiners. They, They put them through the test and they weren't good for a sword or they weren't good for jewelry or they weren't good for whatever. And so they rejected it. They got rid of it because it was it was worthless. It was useless, and it just couldn't be, couldn't be put to use at all. And uh, we find that what happens is when men don't, don't want to remind, they don't want to retain God in their thinking, God will give them over to a debased, reprobate mind, a worthless mind. Worthless as far as being able to have a mind that works well as far as pleasing God. Even worthless as far as the working to uh, work well in, in society, in, in the area of morals and spiritual things especially. This is why we have thinking that, that, that talks about killing babies but saving the, day, the eggs of endangered birds. It, it's a, the kind of thinking that says because you want to stand for saving babies that you are at war with women. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. It's a, a thinking that redefines marriage. It's a thinking that allows for perverted men to use a girl's restroom or locker room because of the way that he he feels about himself. And then if somebody stands up against that, like North Carolina did, they become ballistic about it and take away the NBA All-Star game. And certain entertainers won't go there to North Carolina because they they don't allow for perverted men to, to use any restroom that they want to. There's something wrong with the way people think today. Here's the explanation for it. Men don't want to retain God in their knowledge, so God's given men over to a worthless mind, a debased mind, a useless mind. It doesn't work well. And we find that affects areas like scientific theories. Of, that's how evolution comes from. Why do we need evolution? Why did men even come up with evolution? Because they wanted to come up with some explanation of origins that shuts God out of the picture. And as a result of it, we have ridiculous thoughts like something comes out of nothing, like life comes from non-life. You know, we, we take it down to the, the simple form and we say, man, these pews can't have come from nothing, can they? But yet the explanation, the, the explanation of the evolutionist is when it comes to the universe coming out of nothing, well, you just need billions and billions of years. Or if you're going to have life come out of non-life, we say, we don't see that happening any place today. That's not taking place in any scientific lab in the world where you've got life coming out of non-life. And they'll say, well, you just have to have billions of years. They've substituted billions of years for God. 
I'll take God. Because you know what? Those things that they say take billions and billions of years, without God, they're not going to happen anyway. You're not going to have something come out of nothing. You're not going to have something that is, is uh, very complicated in design that's just going to all of a sudden pop into existence. You're not going to have life come out of non-life. It's not going to happen. God can bring something out of nothing. God can bring life out of non-life. God can speak and it can happen. And our, our God has even visited this planet and given us demonstration of that himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the things that, that, that goes on here, and we see the fruit, the fruit of these worthless minds. And there's 24 particular sins that are given here. By the way, the, the, these are sins that all of us have a bent towards. Not every one of them, but I'll tell you what, out of these 24 here, none of us are left out. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, without Christ, all of us have useless minds. All of us are bent towards that which is wrong in the eyes of God. All of us are bent towards doing evil. All of us are bent towards living selfishly, whether it's in the areas that are mentioned there. By the way, it says all sexual immorality is wrong, and it's a fruit of a debased mind. Not just homosexuality. That's one example Paul gave. But all sexual immorality is contrary to the will of God, contrary to the Word of God. God's original design, as we will see tonight, is that sexual, that, that sexual activity is a wonderful gift from God to a married couple. God's plan for sex is one woman and one man involved in a, a marriage relationship. Anything outside of that is contrary to Scripture, contrary to the will of God. It is wrong, and it will bring destruction in a society, and it will bring destruction in a life. You go on down here, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, uh, whispers. That's gossipers. Somebody that could, hey, I got something to tell you. I'm going to whisper in your ear. I'm going to tell you this. Be, be remorseful about somebody. Backbiters. Somebody that says one thing to your face, and then you walk away from them and they're saying something else to somebody else. Uh, you go through the whole list here. Violent, proud, boasters. Inventors of evil things. We don't have time to go into detail on all of these here this morning. Disobedient to parents. Undiscerning. Untrustworthy. Unloving. And here's the list rounds out with unforgiving. Unmerciful. You know what? You read that list. What, what, what conclusion do you come to? And I'm on that list. I hope you see yourself on that list. Because we need to see ourselves on that list. And when we see ourselves on that list, you know what we need to do? We say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die for my sins. Because, Lord, I'm there. By the way, that's what the first three chapters of Romans is all about. Showing all of us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And that Jesus Christ is that Savior. We're all under the wrath of God by nature. Because we're born as part of Adam's fallen race. But thank God this morning, there is hope for deliverance from the wrath of Almighty God. By the way, there's, there's further indicators of a, a debased mind. As it goes on in verse 32, it says, who, These people who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those, things, those, those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they also approve of those who practice them. 
uh, further indicator that you're, you're useless in your thinking as far as morality, as far as pleasing God, even as far as ordering a society. You, you know that God judges things, and, and we know that, that God does judge such sins because he said he would. God has done it. Look at Noah's flood. Look at the Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at Calvary. As Jesus took the punishment of all those sins upon himself for you and me. God has judged it. God will judge it in the future. He's told us. He's told us about a coming tribulation period. He's told us about the, the reality of an eternal, an eternal hell. And, and here's the thing. He says the further indication is not only do folks do things that they know are absolutely wrong, but they also approve of others who practice such things. Literally, they applaud them. They see people doing such things, and they, they, they encourage it. They pat people on the back for it. They, they, they get entertained by it. In fact, I can't help but read that verse and think about our modern entertainment system with all the debauchery that's spewed out there and, and what happens. We, people sit there and, and watch it, and they, they applaud people living immorally on a, on a movie screen or a television screen or, or coming across the airwaves. It's a sign of a debased mind. Thank God that we can recognize where this all comes from. Remember where this starts, back in verse 21. Where's this matter of the wrath of God come from? That, that we see being poured out upon our world, we see already showing up in our, our country with the direction that we are, are headed. It starts because although they knew God, I'll tell you what, we're in a position today where we can know an awful lot about God with the availability of Bibles, Bible-preaching churches, Young people brought up in Christian homes, having the ability to know God, know God's truth, know God's will, know what God wants, and yet sadly, there's so many people that don't glorify God. Don't glorify God and are not thankful to God. And that's where it begins. People that don't glorify God for giving us life and giving us eternal life and aren't thankful. And then... They become futile in their thoughts, foolish in their hearts. Their hearts are darkened. Jesus is the only hope for deliverance from the wrath of Almighty God. Can he deliver someone from a homosexual lifestyle? Yes, he can. Can he deliver us from any and all of those sins in that list of 24 that we see in this passage? Yes, he can. Jesus died for all sins. We're called upon to repent of our sin and put our trust in Him to make Him our Lord and Savior. And if we do, we're delivered from the wrath of God in this life and in the life to come. Jesus can give us victory over the power of sin. He gives us victory over the penalty of sin because He experienced the wrath of Almighty God upon Himself when He died on that cross of Calvary in our place. What do we do? We need to glorify Him. We need to be thankful to him. How's this mess all start out? Verse 21, they, they, they knew God. They didn't glorify him, weren't thankful. By the way, sometimes Christians mess up their lives. We know God, but sometimes we get, as a Christian, we get to the place we're not looking to glorify God. We're kind of looking to serve ourselves, and, and we're not thankful 
we're, we're kind of just taking everything for granted. In fact, maybe we're grumbling because we don't have everything we like to have. And that's how Christians can really mess up their lives and not get the victory we need in our walk. We need to be God-glorifying, Christ-glorifying, thankful people to not be glorifying God, to not be thankful to God sends us off in a horrible, horrible, wrong direction. And there's no ends to how far off from the will of God, how far off in destruction people can go. We need to be thankful. We need to come to the Lord Jesus. We need to receive him as Savior. Father, it's not fun to think about your wrath. It's necessary. Thank you for revealing it to us in your word. We thank you that you've told us about your love and your grace and your mercy and that we can be delivered from your wrath. Lord, you've also told us about your wrath so that we can realize what a danger it is. Father, I pray for each Christian that's here this morning that you would help us to glorify you, help us to be thankful people, to glorify you in every aspect of our lives and give us the victory over sin that we need. For anybody that's here, Lord, that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray that they would see their need to glorify God. They'd see their need to recognize that they only re have life because you've given it to them. And that you're the one that can give them eternal life and deliverance from the judgment that maybe they're already experiencing in their own life because of sin. Thank you, Lord, that Christ's death on the cross at Calvary was sufficient that all may be forgiven. All may have eternal life. And we pray, Lord, you'd work in our hearts and our lives here today. Glorify yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.